What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. It's David and Isaac. This is the Sports Ethos Grizzlies Podcast. The Grizzlies do it again. Ten in a row. The franchise record increases. They beat the Golden State Warriors 116-108, to 20-4 in their last 24 games. Are they the best team in basketball? Are they ever going to lose again? I think that's a a question that we can ask, ask right now. I, I don't know, man. I, I, it doesn't doesn't look like it, but um, man, it it feels like it right now. Uh, I mean, it it's hard to say because we these are young guys and we've never seen this consistency outside of what we we're seeing right now. So it's kind of hard to say they're the best team in the league right now. But the eye test, watching, I mean, they beat Phoenix, they beat Golden State. Now they've already won at Utah. And the thing about it is they're doing this with guys missing. I mean, they literally like coaching staff. Your head coach is missing. You're on your your backup coach. You're on your backup backup coach with Brad Jones and Radakovich coaching coaches tonight. I mean, this team just doesn't miss a beat. Like I've never seen a team be able to face adversity the way this team has and continue to win games. Like you just don't see what this team is doing right now. And that's why I feel like this might be a, a special year. Uh, we we coming in talking about. 45 wins, that's what I predicted. I think you say 42 mm-hmm. uh, on here on our pregame show here on the podcast. And you're looking down the schedule, man, they're going to they're gonna have 40-plus wins at All-Star break. Like, they could have 42 wins at the All-Star break. Like, I, I just – and I and at 45, I was on the optimistic side. That was, like, higher than most people. You saw NASCAR, people were saying 35, 38. Because, I mean, you move JV, you're thinking, okay, well, this front office is about development, and they're, they're going to take a step back and kind of – Develop guys. They're probably going to play Zaire, and it's going to be a step back. No, man, it's it's not been a step back at all. I mean, the, the leap that Jai's taken, uh, the leap that Desmond Bain has taken, it, it's been tremendous. And even now, we see what Zaire Williams is doing, and they got to give King climbing his flowers on, on that one, man. It was a lot of people unhappy with that pick, including myself. Like I, 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 I never thought that there was no way that he could become a, a good player, but I didn't expect what we're seeing right now this quickly. Uh, and I, th- I just thought there were guys that were more ready to kind of step in and play. But now, man, I'm I'm pleased with what I'm seeing. And I, I had no idea that we'd see anything like this from Zaire this year. Yeah, man, it, it's it's incredible. I after all of these oops tonight, I, I've got I go back to like they, they had his press conference, his draft day, like the the post draft press conference, and he, somebody asked him about John Moran, and he's like. I know if he throws it up there, I'm gonna go and get it, right? <clears throat> he's going it. to like, get it. He's, he's going, going to get it. To get it. <laughs> and so it's the the chemistry that those two have developed already. And just I know in these last couple of shows we've talked about growth from him, but I don't think that we can emphasize it enough that the difference that you see from those first 20 games, he comes back off the injury, gets injured again, and then it's COVID. And now where he is, it's it's not normal, man. It's not normal to see a guy make that type of turn that quick. And it's it's great for this franchise. It hasn't been a fantastic spot that this the Warriors were tied for the best record in the league. And the Grizzlies have beaten them twice now. They play them tough. And that's why I'm telling you, I, I've said it before, I'll say it. There's not a team that I'm scared of. There, there's, you know, I the Jazz are going to be the toughest matchup for the Grizzlies whenever it comes to the playoffs because of the the personnel. 
But there's no team that I fear for this Grizzlies team to go up against, and you know that this locker room is of the same mindset. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the Warriors, you know, Clay's going to come back and get – he's going to be back and get more comfortable. They're going to have Draymond Green back and, and James Wiseman. But I kind of like the matchup against the Warriors, and, and I've said this in the past. I think the Warriors are, are, are a really good front-running run, team. When they, they get out and get out and run, they usually get teams to quit. And, and that's the thing about this Grizzlies team. They don't quit. They keep coming at you no matter what you're doing. And I think Golden State's kind of used to beating teams in some submission that doesn't work against the Grizzlies. Like, the Grizzlies might all not always beat them. We saw the second game out, out in San Francisco where the Warriors were able to, to pull it out, but it took a heroic performance from Steph Curry, Curry for, and they still almost lost the game. And that I, I love this matchup because the Grizzlies are going to be physical uh, with you, and they can also score on the other end. And, and I, I just don't think they're, they're used to teams not submitting to them, and that's and that's what the Grizzlies don't do. This team is not going to quit. Again, they might not win every game, but they're never going to fold. And, and and that's what we saw. I mean, the Golden State came out and, and tried to throw a punch early. Um, and then the Grizzlies got up, and then Golden State in, into the into the, uh, the the end of the second quarter, the third quarter, Golden State really uh, went on a run, and this team didn't fold. I mean, they they kept fighting. The next thing you know, man, they're up, and they were able to to hold on. And a lot of it, I hope the people that talked about Jaron and they want to move Jaron and that he, he doesn't have an impact on the team. He's not doing this. He's not scoring enough. He's not rebounding enough. I hope y'all liked that third quarter. Uh, Jaron got into the foul trouble. Jaron played one minute in, in that third quarter and the Grizzlies give up and 39 it, who, points. Who won that quarter? Who won that quarter? Yeah. Gave yeah, up 39 I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up. Like I, I wanted to make a point of that. Jaron picks up his fourth foul early in the third. And then he sets. We don't see him again in the third, and the Grizzlies get outscored Nine by points, 11. Man. Yeah, you, you look at his offensive numbers, 13 points from Jaron, 5 of 13 from the field, and it's like, oh, man, you know, he, he didn't really do a whole lot. Look <laughs> at that third quarter, man. Look, yeah. The third quarter happened because Jaron Jackson was not on the floor. 100%. I, that's I, I mean, that's almost almost literally what happened. Like, he wasn't on the floor. Their defense went into the tank, and you look at the fourth quarter. They only give he plays a lot, and they only give up eighteen points. And, and that that's I can't say it's one hundred percent on Jaron, but I think this team has missed pretty much everybody on this team except Jaron, ironically. And I think he's the one guy that they can't afford to lose because of the impact that he has on the defensive end. And I think you found out clearly what life without Jaron would be like in that third quarter. They can't afford to lose him because, and I know you you say Jaws the most important player to this team, but I, I don't know, man, that, that third quarter. I mean, Jaron, what he does on the defensive end and how big of a swing it is when he's on the floor and off the floor defensively, Jaron might be the most important player on his team. And, and I know there are some people out there thinking I'm crazy right now, but just look at the numbers and just watch that third quarter tonight and, and, and see the difference in their defense. Yeah, and the, the thing that you have to, when we're having this conversation, the thing you've got to wrap your head around is most important player on the team doesn't necessarily mean best player on the team. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I, for a long time, said that I thought this defense would be in trouble without Dylan Brooks. But the more that I watch this team and, and I see what happens when Jaron is off the floor, I it's Jaron is definitely the more important defensive piece, and I wouldn't have said that early in the season at all. 
Um, you know, I know that he makes a huge impact defensively, and we've preached and preached and preached about the impact that he makes on this game, even when he does have a night with only 13 points. He was 13, 13 points, 11 rebounds, two steals, and three blocks. Him and Brandon Clark in that fourth quarter, the last four minutes, man, they were incredible together. And I'm going to preach it until I'm blue in the face. I will die on this damn hill. Brandon Clark should be in that starting lineup. They yeah. need to start them two together. I, I know that closing is the most important thing, but they've got it. Th those two guys, there was one play in particular, and, and I can't remember which. I think it may have been Clay, but I'm not 100% sure which Warriors player it was. He goes to the basket, and the shot gets blocked twice. Like, Jaron got it first, and the guy was still able to kind of get it going toward the vicinity of the basket. Think about it, about it, Jordan Poole. Um, you, know, you, you may be right that, that – Looking back now, I think you are. I'm pretty sure it was pool. Yeah, I think but, you it was know, it's, These guys are great together. I'm not going to go off down that road like we have the last couple of episodes. You guys know how I feel about it. But if you're tired of hearing about it, you're going to hear it more because until it happens, I'm going to be on here standing for Brandon Clark, wanting to see him in that starting lineup. Hey, put your best lineups on the floor. I mean, it's simple as that. Like, why, why not? Like, why do you see something that works so well? You look at the numbers. It says it works better than anything else, but you're like, nah, I need this guy off the bench because he brings energy, man. No, man, put him in the starting lineup. And again, man, the, the point that I'm making is Jared is a cornerstone piece for this franchise. And when you see that he maximizes when he's playing next to BC, and that's, you want inter growth and internal growth for this team on top of, you still evaluate BC. There's no reason that he shouldn't be in the starting lineup. Like, I I don't get it. Man. I know that's beating a dead horse. We talked about this a lot. We been on Twitter having conversations with, with different people about it, but it, it, at this point, man, it's time to make it happen. I, and I'm, and you, you kind of say you hate to, you don't want to say that you, it's good that a guy went down and Stephen Adams and, and he's probably going to be back on Thursday when they take on the Timberwolves out of matching. But I, I think it, it's clearly shown now how well this works. And I think one thing that we're finding out is maybe the reason why people talk about Jared's rebounding back to back double doubles, first time in his career. Um, had another 11 rebounds tonight, 13 rebounds in the last game. Maybe he doesn't rebound when he's at the four, but if he's playing the five and he has to be in there getting those rebounds, you've seen what he's done. And I think the other times maybe he kind of defers to JV and Steven Adams and let those get to get those rebounds. But now that he is the, the de facto five, he's rebounding the basketball much better. I, I've said something similar to that before. Look who he has played with. When he's on the floor with JV, JV is a vacuum cleaner around there. And why get in there and bang with the big guys when you got a big man down there that's going to yeah. go and get the rebound? Because he's why just taking body through that. It, it doesn't make sense to do that. You know, why go down there? Yeah, would I like to see him average seven or eight boards a season? I would 100%. I would love to see him averaging seven or eight rebounds a season. But like you can't say after this stretch with Steven Adam missing these games and seeing what Jaron is able to do. It shows you he's capable. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to listen to any more of the Jaron can't rebound that, that myth is it's been busted. We're, we're myth busters tonight. That myth has been busted. So it, it's, it's all about opportunity. You got a guy that's pulling down. You know, I, I think JV averaged like 12 rebounds last season, and, and Jaron missed a lot of time last year. But before that, he was playing with JV. And so, you know, this year Adams comes in, starts off slow. But I think that uh, I want to say he's close to 10 this year. Is that right? Do you have that by yeah. chance? 
So, yeah, uh, I, mean, I, think, I, can, I can pull it up, but, you know, let me see. you have a big, a big body guy that's down there and he's already banging with everybody in the paint. Why risk it? And that that's, yeah, you want your team to rebound. I understand that. I'm not, you know, supporting somebody being lazy. It's 9.4. That's what, what he's at right yeah. now. Yeah. So, you know, j- just under 10 rebounds. So it, it's Jaron has, he's shown us that he is more than capable of going out there and getting rebounds. Fantastic fourth quarter from Tyus Jones. He was Man. like lights out <laughs> from three tonight, five for five, six for eight from the field. 17 points, eight assists, six rebounds. Tyus Jones, backup point guard, is out here knocking on the door of a triple-double. It's it's yeah, crazy that, was, that we uh, had conversations about trading him, and then you see what he's capable of. And this, is, this helps support the argument that we've had on here about he could go somewhere else and start. Like, 100%. Not, not like, that I don't, Jones is it that about it. Yeah, he's not going to do this every night. He's not going to be five for five from three every night, but he's a fantastic game manager, and there's a lot of teams out there that need that, man. Oh, there, there's no doubt about it, and I think it, it, he's helping his, his, his cause. Um, I, I think I already felt like even if he was kind of the tires that we saw last year, that he'd probably be out of the Grizzlies' price range. I think definitely now they're not going to pay him what he's worth an open market to back up job. They're just not going to do it. Job plays too many minutes, and it's Tyus is, is kind of a luxury, especially at the price that he's going to be, and I, I just can't see them doing that. I, I am starting to, to think that they're, they're probably not going to move him. Uh, I know we've talked about how this front office feels and everything, but this team is so good right now that I, I just I, I think they hold on to him and just let the chips fall where they may. I think he's going to get the bag and, and go somewhere else and more power to him. I mean, I, I, I don't blame him, man, for, for seeking more playing time and, and getting what he's worth because he's having a – a fantastic season shooting the basketball, man. We've never seen Tyus shoot the basketball like this. And I always go back to, to media day when he said he was upset with his shooting numbers last year. And he felt like he's a much better shooter than, than what we saw last year. And he's talking about getting how many shots he got up a day. I think he said 300 uh, threes a day that he was shooting. And it is paid off big time. I mean, you can see it, the confidence. He's hunting threes. And that's not something that you would have saw from Tyus last year. And, I mean, he had that one sequence where he hit a three, came back down, uh, was coming back up the court. I think Steph Curry was guarding him, knocked the ball out of his hands and went in backcourt. He went back and got it, man. Came down and just pulled up top of the key, man, deep and knocked it down, man, on Curry. I was like, yes, Tyus, that's that's Stones right there, man. And it, and, and it, it's just good to see him shooting the basketball and, and playing well, man. The bench uh, did a fantastic job tonight. Him and BC uh, with, with 31 points combined. Uh, just just fantastic to see. And going back to, man, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you, man. I'm going to keep on beating that drum, man. BC needs to be in the starting lineup next to Jared. Bring Steven Adams off the bench. Uh, Steven Adams can come off the bench and, and get rebounds, and you still have your your fouls and everything that he brings. I think he'll be fine. He's a veteran guy, um, and, and I, I think he'd accept that role if that's kind of where they put it because, again, I don't think he's going to be a guy that's going to be on this roster, definitely not two years from now. If even if he's back next year, so develop your guys, man, and 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 Jaren's going to be a cornerstone piece, and the, the idea has always been that he's going to be the five. I think that's kind of how this front office and his coaching staff has kind of thought of it. So, man, why? And you see that it's working. Why not make that change now? Yeah, I mean, fourteen points, nine rebounds, a steal, and two blocks from from tonight. Man, it just looked awesome. It's six for nine from the field. He's back to doing. The things that he's capable of doing and 
he, he's flourishing. He, he's back to the guy that we fell in love with his rookie season. And yeah, I, I don't, I don't want to, I'm not going to keep beating it. You, I'll move on to somebody else. Uh, Zyra Williams stat line tonight at 17, 17 points, <laughs> two assists, fantastic. you know, knock down three threes, two free throws, just being in the right spot. There were a couple times that he had the ball in rhythm and he had a look at a three and he passed on it. Yeah. And I wish that he would have just taken them. Yeah. The I, was, shots, I was like, shoot it, shoot it. And he, and he passed yeah. them up. I was like, man, I would love to see him. Well, he had a couple of one, a couple in the corner. I think one on the left wing and one on the right wing. Mm-hmm. He kind of passed above. I was like, man, I, just let it fly, man. It, because you're shooting with confidence. You're shooting the basketball well now, man. Take those shots. Yep. Don't don't second guess yourself. Desmond Bain struggled a little bit from the field for not, uh, tonight, three for 14. He did knock down three threes, you know, but he, he contributed elsewhere. You know, he had four assists, three rebounds. It just, he done a stellar job tonight defensively working his ball. Yeah, and, 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 and I was going to say something about that in a minute. Yeah, you, go ahead, man. I'll let you take off with it. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, uh, Bain, he's not he's not Dylan Brooks defensively, but I don't think he gets enough credit for how much he's improved on the defensive end, man. He's more than a capable defender. He holds his own out there night in and night out. And I don't think people, we talk about the shooting and, and his offensive numbers and, and what he's been doing there, but I think his defense gets a little discredited. He, he's been playing pretty good defense uh, against some some high-level players. I mean, the, I think I remember that game, not the other night, but the the, the, the the second time they played the Lakers, the time before last in, at FedEx Forum. He was guarding LeBron. He was guarding Carmelo and doing a, a, a pretty solid job of it. So, I mean, I wanted to give a shout-out to him and his defense because his defense has improved along with his offense. So, it's just not one side of the basketball, man. He's improved all around. Yeah, complete player. And, and that's going back to Zaire's um, – press conference his post-draft press conference he talked about being the big wing that this team needs on the offensive and the defensive end and, and coach Jenkins was talking about you know uh playmaking abilities that we can unlock uh, you know as are they that they can unlock as a coaching staff and it's you see what they're they've been able to do with Desmond Bain and you just it, it makes me wonder what we're going to see out of Zaire Williams in year two and I know that we're not you know, we're just barely over halfway through year one, but the level of confidence that Bain came into year two with, what's he going to look like? What What's Zaire going to look like next year coming into year two? Yeah, man, and maybe he can be a similar situation where you see Zaire kind of leading that summer league team uh, this summer and, and them empower him to do some more things and, and over the summer because I think the work ethic is there if you listen to the things he says because you, you know it, like – he comes back off injury and looks like this. You know he's been putting in work uh, since he's been out because you can just see it. I mean, the confidence is there, and his game has improved. His shot has improved, is improved, so I know he's been working. And, I mean, it, it's scary, his potential. I mean, the length, like I say, he's long as CBS receipts. Uh, man, gets, gets in passing lanes, man, just does a lot of stuff out there for you, man. And, and if he, the jumper is looking a lot more consistent and how high he gets up on that jump shot. Like, you're not going to block his shot. And the slashing, I um, mean, he's catching lobs now, uh, and, and it's just going to get better. I don't think he's even scratched the surface. And you look at a look up tonight, and he has 17 points. And what do you knock down three or seven from three, doing the things, doing it's only going to continue to get more confident. Uh, 38, plus eight in 30 minutes tonight. It, it's just good to see him kind of unlocked out there because I think with him, with what Bain's doing and what Zaire's doing, I just think it gives this front office something to think about. I don't think they have to be in a rush to go out 
and, and make a move, especially on the wing, which is kind of what everybody thought they were going to do, that they were going to save up all these assets. They're going to go out and get a shooting guard or a small forward to kind of kind of fill in with, with John Jaron. And I don't think that's the case anymore because I think they have guys on this roster that can grow into that. I mean, the development, you got to trust this coaching staff because we've seen how they develop guys. So I, I have full confidence that whatever these guys still and whatever Zaire still is going to be, I, I think they're going to get there because of the development and, and the track record they have with, with other young guys that they've had. Yeah, that's – I've been saying I, I don't think that they execute all three of those picks next year. You know, they've got three first-round picks heading into next year's draft, and, and I still kind of feel the same way. But I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't execute two of those picks, to, to be honest with you. If they don't make a move and they go into that draft and they have all two – like all, all three of those picks heading into that draft – and they decide, okay, they're going to move back or they're going to, you know, get, get rid of one of those on draft night and they execute two of them with the guys that they have going into free agency. I trust this front office enough to, to our, not that, not obviously I trust them with the picks, but this coaching staff enough to develop these guys, you know, it, let's, we're looking at Tyus Jones and Kyle Anderson free agents at the end of the season. If they don't re-sign either one of those guys, you, you have Santi Aldama that's coming in year two, and they drafted him a highly skilled big man. He can dribble. He can pass very high basketball IQ as maybe a bigger version of Kyle Anderson. And then you have Zaire Williams. You know, Desmond Bain has already shown that he can be a, a primary ball handler. He can initiate the offense. And we talk about Zaire Williams and his playmaking abilities. If they play him at the point guard, or, or heck, they can even draft a point guard at, at this point in this draft to, to play backup, to be the backup point guard. So they can, in fact, execute those picks, even though you look at this roster and it's like, man, they don't really have room for those picks. They can. They can just let Kyle and Tyus walk, and that would and be. Col- Culver, so I was going to say Culver's a free agent as well, so you could be yeah. looking at three open spots depending on what you do there. Yeah, like you, you can let those guys walk. I don't want to see them do that. I think that they can get good return out of those guys if they do decide to move them. Or, you know, with as well as this team is playing, maybe they decide to re-sign them and they, they make the push. Maybe they do package those three picks together and go out and get somebody that they could that they think that they need to push them over the edge, depending on what happens the rest of the season. But I going into next season, if you let Kyle and Tyus walk, Kyle Tyson and Culver, Culver obviously to a much lesser extent because of his limited playing time. But you you have a guy in Santi Aldama that I believe his skill set is similar to Kyle Anderson's. And with this coaching staff's ability to develop players, you may see a massive leap from Santi Aldama going into year two, and he may be your Kyle Anderson off the bench next year. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch them in, in, in summer league. I'm not trying to rush anything, but I, you, I, you know I'm a summer league guy. I love summer league. I love the draft. I love breaking down these prospects. So that, that's going to be fun watching those guys, uh, hopefully out in Vegas this summer. Uh, but I still don't think they execute all three of them, but I definitely could see them using two of them because they currently they don't have a second-round pick. I've got to think, I don't know if it's Phoenix that has their second round. I want to say Phoenix or the Clippers has their second-round pick this year, so that's all they have is the three first-rounders. So I could definitely see them using two of those picks, especially since they don't have that second-rounder. And uh, as you said, I mean, 
this front office has done such a good job of developing guys. And if they let those guys walk it and Kyle and, and Tyus, they're definitely going to be needs there. I mean, they could draft a point guard in the first round, a guy they can, they can try to develop and come in behind Ja. Because again, with Ja being the superstar player that he is, you don't necessarily need uh, a player that's going to come in and play a lot of minutes. I mean, Tyus is as good as he is, and I love him on the team and love to have him back. He's more of a luxury uh, because of, of what, what Ja has, has turned into. But it's going to be an interesting offseason. Um, I, I think that's, that's what's so fun about this team because they're already as good as they are. I mean, we're talking tied for third in, in, in the West right now. And you teams in that position don't aren't usually in – aren't set up the way they are. Uh, Boston was, was a team several years ago that was, and I was kind of always jealous of them and the assets. Like, they had these young guys at Tatum and Brown and – and, and they're already good, and they got all these assets. Make, they can make trades. They got all this flexibility. And Danny Ainge kind of blew that. They never really maximized it. I think that's kind of what you're seeing now. So there's always a, a danger that you can go the wrong direction. But it, it, it's fun, man, to see how this team has overachieved year in and year out. It gets to a higher level every, every year, to, maybe to this point, to where this team could possibly be a contender already. And they still have a lot of other moves, chess moves that they can make. And, and that's what's so fun and what's so scary, I guess, for, for other teams around the league that I, I think this Grizzlies team is set up for sustained success, success for a long time. Yeah, 100% they are. And that's, if you go back and you listen to the, the Zaire Williams press conference, Coach Jenkins mentioned, he's like, you know, we want to have sustained success. And, and so that's the goal from this team. That's the goal from this front office, from the coaching staff. And the way that they're developing players, man, I, I, I think that it's extremely possible that they could. You know, I'm just looking, and again, we're not trying to rush things, but point guards that they could go out and get that are going to be available around the late lottery area, or maybe if they want to move up. Obviously, if they want to move up, a guy like Jay Nivey would be incredible. Um, but, you know, he's probably not going to be a backup more than his first year. But, uh, you know, later on in the draft, you got Blake Wesley from Notre Dame. He's having a stellar yeah. season. Ty Ty Washington had 17 points and 17 assists yeah. the other night when yeah, they actually let him run the offense and the kid can shoot the lights out. I have a disdain for Kentucky and coach Calipari. <laughs> and it was even before the, the craft that went down in Memphis. I just, have never liked his style, but Ty Ty Washington is a baller and kids from Kentucky. It translates into the NBA. You, you look at players in the NBA that have been coached by Calipari. There's a ton of them. Tyler hero, Bam Adebayo, Boogie cousins, Anthony Davis, Carl Anthony towns on and on and on. You can keep naming them. Kentucky kids can play at the next level. Um, you know, and, and then even further down, if you're looking later in the first round, there, there's some guys, uh, Kennedy Chandler from Tennessee is another yeah, guy that can come up and, and definitely Caleb Love out, out of North Carolina. He's a little bit bigger. I think that's probably a little more up, uh, Isaac's alley, but <laughs> you know, just because of the size, Isaac doesn't like short people, <laughs> but it, it's, it's great because they have so many options. They have. They're not handcuffed. The Grizzlies in the past, the front office has been terrible at managing assets. And Zach Kleiman, Tayshawn Prince, all the guys in this front office have done a fantastic job to put this team in a position where they can have that sustained success. 
Um, we we kind of ran off the rails here. Where we got away from the game. We want to bounce back into that. De'Anthony Melton only played 12 minutes tonight, had a little bit of foul trouble, but the shots just were not falling for him. Um, yeah, he struggles as he came back from from the from the COVID. Yeah, I, I wonder if he's not feeling. I wonder if he's not feeling some adverse effects, man, because it doesn't seem like he's really got his legs back under him out there. Do you think he does? Yeah, man, he definitely hasn't hasn't looked the same. I mean, he's he's done some things like last game. I mean, he feels stat sheet up outside of offense. He just hasn't been shooting the basketball well. But yeah, when you just kind of look at him physically, the eye test, he just doesn't look like the same guy. And and a lot of times people talk about COVID and 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 people that athletes and you bounce back fine. But you go back to Jason Tatum. He said he still doesn't feel one hundred percent like the guy he was before he had COVID. Uh, and I mean, you can have long term effects from it. And that definitely could be something that we're seeing from De'Anthony Melton because he doesn't look right. You're right. Like, it, he just doesn't look like the, the same guy. Um, and and they're definitely definitely not shooting the basketball well uh, since he comes back. So hopefully he comes around. But that's going to be something something to watch. I think that could be very well what we're seeing. Yeah, you know, um, there were multiple NBA players that have mentioned that they feel lingering effects after, you know, testing positive for COVID. Carl Anthony Towns, Yusuf Nurkic, you, know, you mentioned Jason Tatum, so it's while they do tend to recover from it because they are in peak physical condition, just because you recover from it doesn't mean that you're 100%, and I'm not convinced that Melton is 100% right now. Yeah, and to go to different sports, uh, Ezekiel Elliott, the place for the Cowboys, he had it over the summer, and it's a, it took him about a couple months before he was able to even work out the same way, lift weights, before he said you just – don't have the energy that you used to. And Jose Abreu, that played for the White Sox, he had it. And you could tell, man, he was struggling for a couple of months uh, at, at the plate before he kind of – he said he just didn't have the requisite strength. He just didn't feel the same. Uh, and another guy um, – uh, I can't even think of the guy's name. I'm talking about a baseball player. Uh, but, yeah, man, we, we've seen athletes talk about this all the time, that sometimes, man, you just – some people get over it and don't really have any effects. And then other guys – kind of still have lingering effects from it. So ho- hopefully that's not the case, and, and hopefully he snaps out of it, but he, he doesn't look right right now. And, I mean, I mean they need him uh, as that energy guy to come in and bring the defense off the bench, especially with uh, DB out for a significant amount of time, man. They can really use that defense and that energy from him. Yeah, that's that was one of my arguments uh, about bringing Brandon Clark off the bench and losing that energy guy from the bench is you still had DeAnthony Melton. Uh, yeah, hopefully he gets back into form. I have confidence that he will. Uh, it just seems like, like I said he doesn't really seem to me like he's got his legs back under him. You know, tonight only playing twelve minutes, four quick fouls. Maybe that's why it seems like that. I, I don't know, but he, even in the game where he had a decent stat line, it, it just he didn't feel like DeAnthony Melton. So uh, Xavier Tillman played fifteen minutes tonight. He was one for six from the field. Uh, six rebounds. He had a, a pretty nice strip. Um, I think it was Otto Porter Jr. had the ball. He's yeah. holding up high. Yep. And, and and Tillman just snatched it. Snatched it out of his hand. Yeah. And uh, it was. I love to see it. Like he he just he's a grown ass man, and he showed it on that play, man. So, um, I, there's a number of guys on this team that can contribute. We've seen it night in and night out, especially with all the injuries that they've dealt with this year. And I have to say, I've not seen that excuse early on when the Grizzlies first started winning games. 
you I, I saw people making this oh well you know they played this team without this player and this team without that player but you know now that the Grizzlies are, are doing the same thing like they're still beating people and they're the ones missing players you're not seeing that narrative well and I'm, and, and I was gonna say to that argument the Grizzlies have now 17 wins over teams 500 or better and that's the best record in the league Warriors don't even have that many wins. I think Phoenix or Golden State doesn't have that many wins over there. So that argument is not valid at all. Like I heard that stat earlier today. I think it might have been Pranica uh, that that tweeted that out. But I think it's I think they're now have 17 wins against teams over 500, and they're the only team in the NBA that has that many wins. So I don't want to hear this argument about they're not playing anybody uh, because I, I think in, in the first part of the season they were like top. I don't know, top five, at least in toughest schedule. I think they have one of the easiest. I think they're 27 from, from here on. And I think that even makes it even scarier. It makes it even for other teams and makes it even worse that they can solidify where they are right now because they have an easier schedule going down the stretch than a lot of other teams. It is road heavy uh, down the stretch. I think they only have, I want to say, 14, only, 15 home games left. They only play say. three home games in all of February. Yeah. Yeah, in it's all of it, February. It's only yeah, a lot three of home games. So yeah, a lot, a lot of road games coming up. But they have some games against some of the lower level teams on each side of the conference. So they got a chance to rack up some wins, man. I would be shocked if this team didn't have forty plus wins at the All Star break, and that is nuts, man. Compared to what we were thinking going into the season, but man, we gotta gotta talk about Morant, man. The man, the man of the hour, man. Twenty nine points. Uh, what do you have? Five rebounds, eight assists, two blocks, eleven to twenty eight from the field. Uh, was one of four from three, six of eight from the free throw line, 37 minutes, minus one in the game. That tells you kind of got about plus minus, man. We always talk about it can be a fantastic stat and isn't always a fantastic stat because minus one, man, he's the one that just kind of closed his game. But he did what a superstar player is supposed to do. Uh, the team needed some big buckets down the stretch. I mean, he was going to the hole, not getting any calls, man. I can't remember how many times. He don't even know how many times he went to the hole tonight, got fouled, got hammered. Got no calls, man, but he finally got a couple to go. He had that little floater, uh, a step back. He was going to the hole. He got a step back and took the jump shot and got that one. Then he had a layup, and then he got the end one. Um, and those were kind of the plays that they kind of solidified this game and closed it out. Golden State was kind of hanging around. I think it got down to down to two one time, and but Grizzlies never let them tie the game up. I mean, they just kept coming and pulled away, man, and ended up winning, winning by eight. And that's what superstars do when you need buckets down the stretch. We give them the ball, man. They go make plays. We've seen John do that time and time again. And I'm just glad that he's doing it on a big stage. Uh, we've seen him do it uh, against the Lakers a couple times. And the, the, the nation's going to get to see the Grizz this week, man. This game was on NBA TV uh, Friday night. They're going to be on ESPN Monday, of course, Martin Luther King game against Chicago, which really looking forward to that one. That was going to be on TNT. So um, a lot of people are, are, are waking up on this team. I saw a lot of people, I think it was Nate Duncan, maybe that tweeted out after this game that now we have four legit contenders in the West, and that fourth team is the Memphis Grizzlies. I mean, I, and they could even be higher than that, but I think national guys are starting to put them in that conversation because they're, they're being forced to. They have no choice. Like, they try to try to deny it as long as they can, but, man, I mean, what this team is doing is so ridiculous, man. I, I don't think they can deny them any longer. Stephen A. Smith even went on Twitter and apologized, and uh, and I made Skip sure Bayless, to let him Skip know. Bayless. I was going to say Skip Bayless. The Grizz is now his favorite team. I don't know if that's a good thing or not, but he, uh, he's yeah. loving the Grizz right now. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, Stephen A. tweeted that. You know, he's like, I owe the Grizzlies an apology, and I retweeted. I'm like, I'm, I've done the your, your favorite uh, picture of the the play to crow, and I'm like, I'm gonna need you to finish all of it. 
he he was so negative on this team, man. That's what drives me crazy. Is I know I I, I don't know, but I would bet you any amount of money that you want to watch that Stephen A. Smith has watched five or fewer Memphis Grizzly games this year. Yeah, you know he, he, he has no idea. He's such a poser. He's so fake, yeah. man. Like <laughs> I, you get me on a show and you have a guy in my ear feeding me stats, I can argue with anybody. And listen, like he's got great charisma. He's worked his ass off to get to where he's at. So kudos yeah. to all of that. But don't speak on something like you know about it when we know that you don't. Like, yeah, I, I mean, he's made he's made so many gaffes. There's been so many times where he said like guys that have been on teams in like three years. Like you can you can tell that he doesn't watch all, all these games like he portrays he does. Even with the NFL, he makes so many mistakes. I, I can't remember. It was like. Uh, Terrence Williams, you talk about the Cowboys, and this was like last year. Terrence Williams had been on the Cowboys for like three years. He's like, Yeah, Terrence Williams made, did this and that. I'm like, Dude, Terrence Williams played for the Cowboys in three years. Like, what are you talking about? You hear him make those kind of mistakes all the time. NBA with all, all sports, He'll, he just that lets you know right there that he's not up on it the way he tried to portray he is. Yeah, yeah, so. Uh, man, I guess the only thing we hadn't talked about in this game are the uh, the team stats. You want you want to get those tonight, man? Yeah, man. Grizzlies, uh, forty four of one hundred for forty four percent. Just Grizzlies, man. They get their shots up. I think it's second game in a row where they got a hundred shots. Uh, uh Golden State, thirty five of eighty two. Uh, so eighteen more shots on goal for the Grizzlies, but Golden State, thirty five of eighty two for forty two point seven percent. Grizzlies outshoot the Warriors from the three point line. If, if you told me that going into the game, I would have said the Grizzlies. Would win the game and they did. Uh 14 of 34 for the Grizzlies, uh for 40 41.2%, 13 of 36 uh for 36.1 percent. And when you think about those three-pointers, they they weren't the guys that you kind of really thought that would lead it. It's Tyus Jones and Zaire Williams, uh, with eight threes combined between those guys. We would have had that coming into this game. Uh free throw line, uh Grizzlies 14 of 18 for 77.8 percent. Warriors 25 of 29 for 86.2 percent. So Warriors with 11 more free throw attempts than the Grizzlies and 11 more makes uh, than the Grizzlies from the free throw line. Rebounds, Grizzlies 49, Warriors 45 of assists. Uh, Grizzlies 30 to 25 to the Warriors. Uh, steals 11 to 8, Grizzlies. Blocks 8 to 5, Grizzlies. Turnovers, Grizzlies with 11, Warriors with 17. Grizzlies with 25 fast break points to 14 for the Warriors. And the Grizzlies with 58 points in the paint to 40 for Golden State. And one, one thing I do want to say, man, is, man, Clay Thompson hasn't lost a step at all. Like, I'm super impressed with the layoff that he had, man, for him to look the way he has. I know he's playing spot minutes, limited minutes there, holding his minutes back. But once they unleash him, but you can see when he's out there on the floor, man, he looks like Clay Thompson. When he yeah. shoots to me, he's making shots the same way. Like, he hadn't lost a step. He's moving the way he's cutting to the basket. Like, if anybody thought he was going to come back and look the minutes, he, he does not at all. Yeah. Definitely in these first – I watched a little bit of his return in that first game. Yeah, he had that one dunk where he looked pretty explosive. So it looks like he is completely healed. And I'm glad, you know, he's one of the, yeah, the better players to ever play. You know, and he, he's just a good guy, you know. And so glad that he's back. Even more glad that the Grizzlies beat their butt tonight. <laughs> but, you know, you talked about the, the Grizzlies getting up shot. They're in the top third of the league in pace. And that many points in the paint, this Warriors team is one of the better defensive teams in the league. And the Grizzlies hung 116 on them. It's just they're doing this. They're imposing their will on the other team. And it's not just scrub teams. They're doing it against the best in the league. 
And so you, you have to have the conversation. They have to be in the conversation when you're talking about the best teams in the league, because they're beating the best teams in the league. And if you're beating the best teams in the league, how are you not in the conversation? And you, you brought up a great point there. And I think that's one of the reasons why I think they could have success in a series against this gold state team, because how they do it is they, they outpace teams. They, they're getting up more shots than you. When you go to state hit threes and they even outshot them from, from three to nine. Like, so that's, that's even, even stronger. But I think the Grizzlies, they get more shot attempts up, and, and that's kind of how they make up for if, if a team's knocking down threes the way you, Golden State usually does. Because it's usually probably when you play Golden State, they're usually there's usually going to be a deficit there in threes. But it wasn't even that tonight. That wasn't even the case. So uh, just just a fantastic win. And I I was saying throughout the game, man, I, I wanted this one for these guys so bad because I want them to get the attention that they deserve. And when you beat teams, it shouldn't be this way. But when you beat the Lakers, people stand up and, and, and look. And when you beat Golden State and Phoenix, that that gets people around the nation interested in what's going on down here, and, that, and that's what I wanted. I felt like this game meant a lot more to the Grizzlies than it meant to the Warriors because we already know people love and adore the Warriors all over the country, man. But I, I want the Grizzlies to be one of those teams. We're the smallest market in the, in, in the country, but we see what John Moran and, and what these guys are doing down here. I, I want these guys to be, get the appreciation that they deserve, and when you win games like this, it, it goes a long way in doing that. Now, you go back to that loss right before Christmas when they lost to, to the Warriors. It was, a, it was their last loss, actually. Yeah, the, the Grizzlies lost that game 113-104. to 104. Steph Curry made as many threes by himself almost as an entire Grizzlies team. And so yeah. tonight that wasn't the case. Um, it's when the Grizzlies are firing on all cylinders, they're a hard team to beat. And this Warrior team has found out twice this year. So here we are, man. Just, I, I can't get out of here, man, without talking about the fans, without talking about everybody that was at the forum tonight. I got to applaud you, pat you on your back, give you your flowers. Every single time that Andre Iguodala touched the ball, he was getting the business. <laughs> and I love it, dude, that, like, that's what it's about, that, you know, he disrespected Memphis. And I didn't see it on camera, but apparently there was a brush-up between Iguodala and Brandon Clark, and they had to be separated. Did you get eyes on that at all, Isaac? Uh, I mean, I saw him talking back and forth, but they kind of went away from it, I, I don't know, purposely or what. But, yeah, they did have a little – they bumped up against each other, and I saw him talking, and – I think they call a timeout. I, I didn't see anything other than that, but they, there was like an incident where, where they were kind of jawing back and forth. I remember that. Yeah. So glad to, can, can, you know, shout out to the fans giving uh, Iguodala the business tonight. I, I love it. That's fantastic. I, I kind of got distracted about where I was going with my previous point. I don't even remember what was I talking about before I, I went to the fans, man, that just kind of hit me out of nowhere. And I'm like, dude, I'm not going to miss this. I got to get that in there because it was great to, you know, on the, the TV, you could hear it every single time that I didn't even have to, I could be not looking at my TV and I knew that Iguodala got the ball because FedEx for <laughs> just <laughs> letting him have it. So good stuff. Man, really quickly before we, we do get out of here, man, this tremendous schedule going forward, man. It's a big week, man. A big win uh, tonight, obviously, against Golden State. And I was looking at the standards today, and somehow I missed uh, how well that, that Minnesota had been playing, man. I didn't even notice that they were at 500. They did drop back below 500 tonight. They're now 20 and 21 and dropped down to ninth place, but they're only a game and a half 
before they lost the night were a game out of six, uh, which I, I hadn't realized that they had kind of taken a leap like that. Um, but they did lose the game tonight, man. Um, it was a tight game down in New Orleans. Uh, New Orleans was up by two uh, with, I think, nine seconds left. Got D'Angelo Russell just kind of walked straight to the basket off the inbound and laid it up, tied up with, I think, four seconds left maybe. And the Pelicans come back down, man. Deep, deep three by Brandon Ingram. Top of the key to win the game. Walk off. Uh, so they do lose tonight. They're going to be at FedEx Forum on Thursday night. But that that's a, a, a the team's been playing better than I thought they were. And that's always kind of been a, a, a tricky matchup for the Grizzlies. They always seemingly, for some reason, get the Grizzlies problem. They had that big that game out there where they got just doors blown off by him up in Minnesota, and the other one was close. You had the cat three to take it overtime. Grizzlies did end up winning that game at, at FedEx Forum the first time they were here. So that should be a good win. And of course, you got Luca and the Dallas Mavericks coming in on Friday night. That's going to be 9 p.m. Weird Central Time uh, start at FedEx Forum. It's going to be in the second half of a doubleheader on ESPN. Of course, you got the big game uh, against the, the Chicago Bulls, which I don't think when the schedule came out, anybody, it was, it was going to be, you thought it was going to be a solid game, but you didn't think it was going to be what it's going to be now. Um, I mean, one of one of the top teams in the West versus the top team in the East. So that's going to be fun when 2.30 at TNT. Um, and, but make sure you watch that on, on the Valley Sports Southeast, man. We're going to support our guys. And Pete and a friend of the program, Brevin Knight. So make sure you check that out. Get those national guys, man. I, I love the fact that other, everybody else gets to see it because it's on TNT. But right here in, in this region, man, support our support our local guys and, and Pete and Brevin, man. That's That's all I got, man. I mean, I, I kind of – I wish Dylan was back for that T-Wolves game just because Dylan is a T-Wolves killer, man. He always seems well, to play always. against the T-Wolves. I know um, – was it like – man, with the seasons kind of running the way that they are, things are running together on me. But I know that he had – there was one year where he went off for like, I think, 27 in the first game against them and then dropped a 30-piece on them in the, in the second game of the year. Just, you know – Playing super super well against that team, and I was gonna say even his rookie, even his rookie year, he, he played well against them. Weird, like I don't know what it is about the Denver Wolves, but his eyes light up when 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 he sees those Minnesota jerseys. Yeah, it's you know, certain guys just play better against certain franchises. I don't know why that is, but you look at uh, um, for example Pascal Siakam against Phoenix. He always plays well whenever he plays against Phoenix, and I don't know if something happened that you know made it personal for him or whatever. But I love to see guys, when there's a franchise that they play well against, I like to watch those games just to watch them light it up. But I think we'll get out of here. I've got nothing else. Isaac, anything else from you before we go, man? Man, I was going to say, man, that T-Wolves game on Thursday is kind of one of those games that always kind of scared me. I mean, they're they're on a 10-game winning streak. They knocked out the Clippers and the Lakers in L.A., come home, beat Golden State, and you kind of got that Bulls and Mavericks game on the other side of that one. They got to come out and play well, man. That Minnesota team can come in here and beat you. I mean, there's a lot of talent on that team. I know they're night down in the West right now, but only a game out of game and a half out of six. You got Anthony Edwards, D'Angelo Russell, uh, Carl Anthony Towns. I mean, that team can can beat you if if you're sleeping on them. So we just need to continue to come in and and play well. I know they got the 10, 10 in a row. If if you want to continue, man, that's those are the kind of games that good teams win. You just don't want to let down. I know, and I know you kind of probably look at Minnesota and think, oh, well, they're they're not a good team. We're going to just show up and beat them. Now, I hope that's not the case, man. Come in and continue to play well. Because if, if you come in uh, thinking that team, that you just, they're going to roll over, that they're not. I mean, that's a team. That's a game. I know it's not a 
marquee game, but that's still a game that you need to come out and play well, especially because they've been playing better as of late, and they're coming off a loss, so they're going to be coming in here trying to get a win, so I hope the Grizzlies come out and, and, and make it 11 on Thursday night. Yeah, you go back to last year with the T-Wolves when they made that coaching change midseason, and they didn't lean into a tank. They immediately, yeah, they when, they, when they moved to this new coach, they immediately started trying to win, and you could see kind of a shift in them. So it's you know not, not that I'm a T Wolves fan, but I'm I'm glad you know we've heard year after year after year since Carl Anthony Towns has been there that oh the, this is the year the T Wolves turn it around, and it looks like this is actually gonna it's finally going to be their year that they turn around and they make the playoffs. So definitely not a game that you can take lightly for the Grizzlies, and then it's gonna be a tough back to back playing. Um, Luca, I know uh, KP has been missing some time. I don't know if he's going to be back for that game Friday. Um, we'll see. I, I don't think he's in protocols anymore for minor. No, but they just, they just rotate him in and out. Like he'll play a couple games that he's out with something else that he might miss a couple. He might play three in a row. You just never know with him. It seems like Luca's been in and out like that this year too. So I, you never know from night to night who's going to be playing on that roster. But kind of speaking of, Kind of the the situation with the Grizzlies last time and Desmond Bain, man. Josh Green has been playing fantastic. Uh, and yes, as of late, he's yeah. really kind of taking a leap. And I've had some Mavericks fans in my DMs saying, "Thank you, thank you guys for 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 waking him up." But he's he's been fantastic. Uh, so that's that's kind of something to watch on on Friday night as well. Yeah, I've talked to Lauren Gunn. Um, we're in a, a fantasy basketball league together. She covers the Mavericks. And and we were kind of having a conversation about it, and both of it like, and, and I think you were even too. Both of us liked Green coming out of college. We liked yeah. his game. He just hadn't had any type of consistent playing time to try and find his rhythm. And now that he's getting it, he's showing why that they, why they took him where they did. And that's not to say that he's playing better than Desmond Bain because we all know that that's not the case. But I you know I want to see these guys succeed when they get to the league i'm i want to see them succeed so good on him maybe he'll have a good showing against desmond bain and the grizzlies i kind of hope not but we'll see i know we will not be here with post games for those two i i will be out of town i'm heading to springfield they have the uh bass pro shops uh tournament oh man yeah man it's gonna be awesome so there's gonna be some of the best high school prospects in the nation are gonna be there uh ronnie james and sierra canyon there's a kid out of uh New Madrid, Missouri, Jadis Jones, that has been, uh, you know, creeping into the the, the D one. He he plays for Bradley Bill's um, AAU team. Um, he's been getting some attention, not nearly as much. He's not as as big of a name, but they got invited to that tournament. I think a lot because of him. Um, so th- th- that's where I will be. We will be here. I I would say Sunday. Um, I'll be back that that ends Saturday, so I'll be back Sunday. We'll try and come back and do a review, a recap of, yeah, of both games. Yeah, double double yep. review. So and, sounds uh, good. And and then get into it from there. And I may reach out to Lauren to see if she's available Sunday. Maybe she can jump in and and talk a little bit of Maverick stuff with us. Yeah, that'd be awesome. So I will. Um, I'm. We're gonna go. We're gonna get out of here. You can get me on Twitter. I'm at dwell two one one one. Do not forget about the giveaway. We're giving away the John Morant jersey. I'm going to run that until the Sunday of the All-Star game. All you have to do is go and find the original tweet on the at Ethos Grizzlies page and like and retweet that. We will be announcing the winner Sunday night after the All-Star game. That's February 20th. 
So good luck to everybody. Appreciate you guys sharing that and, you know, get, get the name of the show out there. So follow me at DL2111, the show at Ethos Grizzlies. Isaac, let them know where they can find you and get us out of here, man. Yeah, man. Who doesn't want jersey of the, the hottest player in the NBA right now, man? I, I, I think the answer to that is nobody. But, but you can find me on Twitter at ISAAC underscore rivals. Isaac underscore rivals. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to the Ethos Grizzlies podcast. We appreciate each and every one of you. And we'll talk to you on Sunday. Go Grizz.